Well, brothers and sisters, it's a blessing to be here. Uh, yet again, yesterday, I had the honor of being able to deacon at the Mass with my good friend, Father Chris Alar, and it was deep honor. He invited me to, to preach, and it was the first time I was able to preach at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. And these readings, and, and Father Matthew this morning has invited me as well. So, brother, it's, Father Matthew is our newest ordained priest, and I'm a newly ordained deacon. So it's an honor to, to be at the altar with him, to be in the sanctuary with him, and he's our new rector of the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. Um, I, I'm really excited for him and, and his priesthood and what the Lord's doing in your life. So thank you, Father, for having me here. Um, the readings from yesterday and today definitely go together, um, in particular the gospel. Yesterday we heard the reading from Luke about the visitation. And there's going to be some overlap in between yesterday's homily and today because we need to connect some dots here. Today, so yesterday we heard the visitation. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and we saw that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit with a greeting of Mary. And I talked about how that's one of the reasons why we can call the Blessed Virgin the mediatrix of all graces, because the Lord God came through her. When she speaks and intercedes for her children, the Holy Spirit comes to us. And then I talked about Mary being the Ark of the Covenant. And it's important, there's, a, there's a, an important principle of Christian, Christian Catholic, Christian theology, biblical theology. We need to understand the concept of archetypes and foreshadowing of Old Testament figures. The great Bishop St. Augustine of Hippo said that the New Testament lies hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. So the Church in her wisdom in bringing the, the passages together today from the first reading from 1 Samuel and this Gospel reading, which is the Magnificat of the Blessed Virgin Mary. There's wisdom in it because we see foreshadowing in Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel, and she was barren, so she had a miraculous birth. So the church has always understood one of the senses of interpretation of sacred scripture is to recognize and see the archetypes of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant that foreshadow and point to the fulfillment of Christ himself who fulfills all things. And now we're living in the times of fulfillment. And now in Advent, we're meditating upon this, and the church is asking us to meditate upon it as well and the coming of the Messiah. So the, the Magnificat of the Blessed Virgin Mary, this is a canticle. There are four canticles in the first two chapters of Luke. So the first one's the Canticle of Zechariah. This is the Canticle of Mary. Mary. Then there's the Gloria that the angels sing at the birth of Christ, glory to God in the highest. We don't sing that in Advent right now, and we don't sing it at Lent because we're anticipating the coming and the birth of the Christ child. And then there's the Canticle of Simeon in the temple as well. So there's four canticles, and religious or priests pray these four canticles on a daily basis, or at least the three canticles, and then we have, you know, the, the glory to God. Glory be to the Father and Son and Holy Spirit that's within the office of readings as well. So where I'm going with this is we need to understand archetypes of the Old Testament. And yesterday I talked about how the Blessed Virgin 
is anticipated in the Ark of the Covenant, and so is our Lord. The Ark of the Covenant was the holiest sacred object in all of Israel's worship. It was, it traveled throughout the desert with Moses and was in the meeting tent and the Shekinah glory of the Lord God overshadowed it. And when Moses went in and prayed before the Ark of the Covenant, his face was transformed and he would come out glowing. And I talked about yesterday what was in the Ark of the Covenant. And these are all foreshadowing Christ as well. There was the two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments foreshadowing the Word of God. There was the staff of Aaron who would be the shepherd who, who led the Israelites into the Promised Land, foreshadowing Christ the shepherd. And then there was the Omar jar that held and contained the bread come down from heaven, the bread of angels that was a prefiguration of Christ in his incarnation, the bread come down from heaven, if you think about John 6. Take this, eat this, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my bread, eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So those things were inside the Ark of the Covenant. And we know how holy the ark was. And I talked yesterday how the early church fathers in early Christianity, in writings as early as the second century, and I'm sure in the oral tradition beforehand, recognized and saw the archetype of the covenant and recognized that that was a foreshadowing of none other than the mother of God. Because in her would dwell the true Word made flesh, the Word of God, the true bread come down from heaven, the true shepherd who will lead us to the promised land of our heavenly destination, eternity, forever. And also he who is the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John recognizes that. So if the Ark of the Covenant was revered, and we know that King David took the Ark of the Covenant when he built the first temple in Jerusalem in order to honor the Lord God. The Ark of the Covenant was taken inside the Holy of Holies. And it was so holy and so sacred that the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one time a year. And he had to go through purification rituals before he went in. And he would go in and he would sprinkle the mercy seat with the blood of the sacrifices of the goats that had been offered for cleansing and forgiveness of sins of the people. All that foreshadows what's going on in the first two chapters of Luke and the prologue of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the first 14 verses. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that's what we're anticipating. And yesterday we see that Elizabeth recognizes the significance of who her cousin truly is. Who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
Catholics, does that sound familiar to you? That's the, the first part of the Hail Mary. Why do we pray it? Well, Elizabeth prayed it first. Saint Elizabeth prayed it first. And then the Blessed Mother says, my soul, magnif my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Now she is speaking from a profound state of humility. So Elizabeth recognizes who she is. You're the mother of my Lord. You're carrying the long-awaited Messiah. Oh my goodness, you are, you're the mother of the one we've been anticipating for generation, from generation, for thousands of years. You, you're the mother of the one we've been anticipating. You're carrying him within you. Let's just contemplate that. Like, let's go into a contemplative mode just for a second here. Mothers, you should be able to identify. I, I mean, I don't know too many mothers who don't believe that mothering is the most important thing that they will ever do in their lives, that their children are the most valuable things. Their hearts bleed for their children when they go astray or when they're hurting or when they're in pain. They would gladly give up their lives for their children and take away their suffering and pain. And, and you carried that child within you for nine months. And the bond that takes place, you nurtured the child within your body. Now, we are talking about the mother of God, who carried God incarnate within her for nine months. This far exceeds the holy ark of the covenant that was made out of wood and covered and layered in gold that was a mere material object that also showed the forth the presence of God with the Shekinah glory that came throughout the desert and then in the temple where the high priest could only go in once a year. That's how sacred it is. Now we're talking about a new kind of temple, a new type of ark of the covenant, the one that actually carries the God man himself and bears the God-man unto the world. Do you, I mean, can we even fathom or comprehend the transformation? What, what was going on inside the Blessed Virgin Mary for nine months as the second person of the Trinity dwelt within her being? That's why we call her holy. That's why we call her most blessed. We honor all the saints. There's a technical theological term called dulia. So we honor saints, and we shouldn't be surprised of, of that. Sometimes Catholics will take heat or flack over that, but we celebrate people in society. We honor people in society, whether they be civil figures, celebrities, we celebrate them. What we are doing is simply showing honor to those who are most united with God. So that's why we call them saints, and we honor them. But there's another term for the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it's called hyperdulia. She is a creature, by all means, created by God. She's a human person, not a divine person. But we honor her above all, hyperdulia, hyperhonor, because she's the one that brought the God-man into the world and brought our salvation. Without her fiat, without our yes, we don't have eternal life. Not at least the way that it's taken place. I mean, I, I'm sure God could have done it in another way. 
And we should look at the Blessed Virgin. She has the perfect response today, too. After Elizabeth recognizes her, recognizes this is the mother of the Messiah who's given him flesh. By the way, all of his DNA was taken from her, right? And his humanity. All of Jesus's humanity, his human nature came from the Blessed Virgin Mary. There was no human father. It was a conception from the Holy Spirit from on high. So all of our human nature and DNA came directly from the Blessed Virgin Mary. Blessed above all? Yeah, I think so. And what is Mary's response? What is her response when Elizabeth says, blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me, even though I'm your cousin? Who am I that you come to me? And what does the Blessed Virgin say? And I'm going to, this is the RSV translation. We, not from the gospel we hear, this, this I'm just going to go for the RSV translation. It's a different translation. My soul magnifies the Lord. Brothers and sisters, what happens with magnification? Things get larger, right? We're able to see things more clearly. They bring things into closer perspective and show us in a larger way what the reality is. And her, Mary's response is, my soul magnifies the Lord. In my soul, you see the greatness of the Lord because of what he's done in me. The work of salvation, he's already worked in me. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's praising the Lord. She's giving thanks because he's regarded the, the lowly state of his handmaiden. For behold, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She magnifies what God has done and his promises to humanity. His sacred faithfulness fidelity, love, and mercy. And she mentions mercy in the, passage, in, the, in the Magnificat itself. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped, the, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his pos, pos, posterity forever. Mary recognizes that the Lord is fulfilling all of the promises that came before with all the fathers. Let us stand in awe of this mystery. I, I really want to encourage you over these next few days, go into a contemplative mode, please, and ponder what it must have been like for the Blessed Virgin at the age of 15 or 16 years old to be carrying the second person of the Trinity within her body, physically, for a nine-month period. Blessed is the Ark of the Covenant, our mother, who carried the God-man, and who, will, who bore him for us and continues to bear, uh, bear him for us in our lives and in the church. May Jesus Christ be praised. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers, 
www.ohiodot.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.